Um, no, actually, it's a new plan. I noticed yesterday at uh, Alan and Naomi's wedding that before ever we were due to start, Mark Baden went to stand at the front. And the very fact of him standing at the front, I mean, I realise he carries a considerable presence, but things just went completely quiet. I thought, hmm, we should try that on a Sunday morning, you know. <laughs> Instead of shouting, order, order, or something like that. Yeah. So last week, um, we had a very uh, intriguing subject. Do you remember the subject? Yeah. Me. And uh, the suggestion is that that would be a good subject to continue with. And who am I to disagree? I think I heard it looking when I was looking in the mirror. <laughs> but yes, we're continuing. Um, still spirit of adventure, still looking towards this uh, richer harvest, uh, but recognising that there's preliminary steps. And uh, the preliminary step is really uh, the issue of coming closer to him, uh, which... You know, never yet met anybody saying, no, I don't think that's what we should do. I think that's, it's like always something that we know that's what should be happening. And the out, one, one of the outworkings of that, of course, is the, the sort of conditioning or softening of heart. And I want to just take a little bit of time to, to talk a bit more about that uh, this week. And uh, I thought there, there are a couple of things that we should just sort of clarify or expand a little bit. Um, so let's turn to where we started last week. It's in uh, those verses in Joshua, uh, chapter 3, before they were um, just getting ready to uh, cross the river. And uh, there was a couple of things there that um, we just need to kind of make sure we're keeping clear on. Um, let me just read those verses to you. Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan, where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people. And these were the orders. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priests who are uh, Levites carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. The fundamental thing I want us to just pick up there, whatever our position is, the same way as the children of Israel, whether they were close to the river or further away or whatever, from whatever their position was at that point in time, in order to move into what God had, they had to move from that place. Now, positions are not just a kind of geographical thing. It's not uh, just our, uh, where we are, our GPS position. I think we've said before, uh, in, in the whole business of air flight, there's the, the matter of uh, altitude, how high you are, but there's also what they call attitude, uh, which is which direction you are. You're going up, you're going down. And because of the disorientation that can happen uh, in the sky and in flights and that sort of thing, they have instruments that help to determine exactly where, not how high you are, but which, whether you're pointing up or down. And I think the same for us, in terms of our um, positioning, is not just 
where we happen to be. It's what is our present attitude. So from wherever we are, from whatever position, the word was coming forth, and it's coming forth today, and we've been on this for some while in Psalm 84, uh, this whole issue of pilgrimage, is that there is a point in time now for us to change our position, to move according to what God is saying. And this call to come closer. And of course, as we worship together this morning and use some of these uh, songs which really help us to declare that and to enter into that, I trust that you, like I, have felt that draw, felt that, that something that is inexplicable. It's not about how good the song is or how loud the band is or anything like that. It's something that God does which is not about what we do. It's about what he does. Uh, this drawing to a place of greater closeness. So from whatever our position, our starting point is says, yes, Lord, I am ready to move. Yes, Lord, you have a place of closeness to you, which is beyond where I am at the present time. I don't suppose any one of us would say, well, actually, I've already arrived. Uh, that would be uh, exceedingly... Uh, arrogant and um, very wrong. Because the point where we've actually arrived is the point where we no longer belong here. <laughs> you know? uh, we're at that point breathing somebody else's oxygen. You know, you need to let them have it and get on your way. <laughs> so we're moving on in the purpose of God. So moving from our positions. And then it goes on to say... Um, about following the ark, which is the manifestation or the demonstration of the presence of God. For us, of course, now we have the Spirit of God who dwells within us. Then you will know which way to go, since you've never been this way before. Now, that's interesting, and we picked that up last week, because um, as we took some time to talk about some of the examples, there are things which we've never done before. Uh, quite exciting. Uh, breathtaking at times uh, but things which we've not done before and we dare to believe that God is leading us and it's not just into sort of um, I don't know a new building or a, a, a new people often something that we've not done before is about God equipping us into a new place of relationship with him a new place of being used by him, a new place of knowing his life and power working through us for the benefit of others. I mean, God ain't done with us yet. Uh, he's got some more for us. Is that good? Yeah. Is it good to know God's not done with you yet? Yes. yes, yes. I think that's almost a kind of a risk of a gentle hallelujah, isn't it? Uh, yeah. well, all right, an amen then, yes. Okay, here we go with that. So, keeping sight of the ark was very important. The recognition that if God says he's got some things laid up for us, we're kind of looking. We're looking to see. We're interested to be observing. We're on the lookout to see what it is that he's got for us. And just pause for a moment to welcome Mohammed all the way from Sierra Leone, just Mohammed's being really used of God there in, in 
conduit, and we'll be hearing more about that uh, in due course. All right, so uh, amazing things. And we haven't gone this way before, so we really need to come close to him and uh, keep sight of the ark. I sometimes think the world is divided into two types of people. Those who very happy, happily have the windscreen of the car dirty. Um, uh, Behave yourself. Who quite happily drive a car that's got cobwebs on the the mirror. (laughs) I am not in that category. I like it clear and clean. Some people would even say to the extreme. And I'm actually, this is, remember, this is about me, okay? I'm actually a bit like that with the windows in the house, not probably quite so much, but in my little office, my little study, I find myself spending a lot of time looking out the window. It's fairly blank, you know? Uh, I don't know if I'm looking for inspiration or quite what I'm doing, but, but that window, when I take over, I'm going to ban birds flying and dropping at the same time. (laughs) Especially when it's like, not just, I don't want to be too detailed here, but when it's what I call a splatter gun. (laughs) I mean, it's extreme. When I can persuade the window cleaner to clean the windows at the back, I sometimes have to sneak into the kitchen without she who must be obeyed finding out and she has a special little plastic scraper which the window cleaner needs to actually get this off and then I have to you know clean it and sneak it back before she knows what's happened so I like it clean the other thing we'll have to go is pigeons yes yes now pigeons are stupid Why does a stupid thing have to fly full pelt into my window? (laughs) I wish. (laughs) But here's the thing. There's this tremendous crash. This stupid thing hits the window. And I'm looking for a dead body. But I never find it. It just seems to fly away again. <laughs> but it's left its pigeon-shaped mark. <laughs> and it just stays there until I can persuade the window cleaner to come and do, the, you know, the sensible thing. Anyway, this is all to say... <laughs> ..that... ..this week, early one morning, The sun shines sort of like from behind and it lights up uh, the pond and the grass, well, fake grass, behind. And I'm looking at that and thought, that really looks nice. Really, really, really nice. Forgetting for a moment, I was looking through the pigeon and the birds' droppings and the mess on my window and so on and so forth. 
The thought came to me, you know, it's good to look where the light shines because it helps us to look past and not focus on all the other things. And I think that's where God is taking us, to look where the light shines, to look where he is, to look on what he highlights, even though there may be all sorts of dirt and grotten issues around about us. Because coming closer to him is not just a physical thing, it's a focus thing. We're focusing on the light. We're focusing on the good that he would show up. We're focusing on him himself, not just all the things that need to happen uh, that may be around us. And as I looked at it, I thought, yes, Lord, that's what I want. I want to be able to focus on where you shine the light. Focus on what you've got what you're doing, rather than just look at what needs to be, so on and so forth. I guess that's one of the ways that we keep sight of the presence of God. We focus on the right thing. Obviously, we have to be committed, even like Paul was uh, in 2 Corinthians 3, verse 18, where he's clearly saying he had not yet obtained all the fullness I mean, if we think we've got pretty much what is to be got, uh, there ain't going to be much forward movement, to be honest. There has to be... It's the same thing as you don't really go for food if you're not hungry. Uh, So that issue of of recognising that there's more... Would you you stand with me in that, that you agree there's more than what we've got? Yeah? I mean, it's not a lack of gratitude. I think we have to be grateful in all the goodness, but to know him more, to come closer to him, to be more like him, uh, to understand something more, all oh, that I might know the fullness of that love. Yeah? Yes. That's, where, that's where we can clearly say we are. It's a very, very important place uh, that we recognize that. As you know... Um, God helps me, I've told you this before, God helps me um, by bringing songs to me. Lynn Cole's looking at me with that, don't you dare look, you know. (laughs) And some of the songs, I'm not sure you would appreciate, but they mean something to me. And I kept on coming back to it, I'm not going to sing it, don't worry, you're all getting a little bit tense. And There was an old song. Oh, I want to see him and look upon his face and there to sing forever of his redeeming grace. And forget worry about the song, but the sentiment of it, that hunger, that desire. And those who faithfully love me and question me and quiz me and I was going to say the Inquisition but it's probably not quite as bad as that so, so okay you're talking about this let's hear what's happened and remember I'm carrying on about this is all about me yeah? oh, mm, that's a good question a good question from for somebody who probably weakest at self-analysis of anybody I know. But even in that, God could help me. 
I thought this. I thought, I think God is at work. I don't know about you, but since, since in this last little while we've asked God, last week we talked quite a bit about increasing hunger, I think my hunger has increased. Anybody agree with that? Yeah. It's, it's like God is answering prayer. You know? I suddenly think, hmm. Not quite sure how I would detail it, but there's something that's happening. And of course, one of the marks of, of, I think, our love for God and our connection with God is always like we measure it in our love for the brethren. That's what the Bible says. So I'm standing here this morning and uh, you know, I look across and I'm seeing uh, Stephen and Sarah Tissard standing there. And I've, I've never had a lot of, you know, we just don't have close dealings with everybody. I'm not saying no dealings, but close dealings. And I just realised how much I love them. It was just something. And I thought, yes, I've been looking, Lord, for you to show me some evidence, some manifestation. And I looked at them, and it sounds weird, I could have just stayed looking at them, thinking, wow, Stephen and Sarah, you know? It's the work of God. And I don't want us to leave this thing up in some ethereal place. This is, this is the reality of the purpose of God. Because there was a song that we were singing this morning. I can't remember the actual, something about a line that went, Jesus, you're worthy of all. And as, we, as we're singing that, I'm thinking, yes, you are. My mind began to go over those who I hunger for and long for that should come into the kingdom and know the love of God. And I believe, brothers and sisters, this is where God is taking us, that we, we're, we have a, an increased ability to focus on the light, the things that he's showing, the things that he's demonstrated, more particularly on him himself. And out of that, and the manifestation, the evidence of that, is a softening of heart and a recognition of love one for another, and particularly as he directs us in those things. So we talked about uh, moving on on that. Uh, they had to consecrate themselves um, because the Lord was going to do uh, amazing things. Consecrate yourselves, this is verse 5, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things. Consecrate. All right, just so we don't dwell in words that we don't really know what we mean. It's basically about coming closer or setting apart to um, or dedicating to a higher purpose. Dedicating heart, mind, body and soul to the purpose of God. Let me just run through a suggestion of four little steps that would help us in this. Number one, to remember him uh, and to be thankful. To thank, I don't think God gets bored with us thanking him for Jesus, thanking him for this great salvation, 
thanking him for rescuing us from where we were. You know, sometimes we, we, we get into a, a, in a kind of natural mental state, think, well, you know, done that before, said that before. It's okay that we do whatever is right or appropriate or works for us to actually come into remembering. Sometimes it's remembering him and his great gift to us and his nature and his loving kindness and the rejection that he suffered from us all. When he'd invested his one and only son and we were all guilty of rejecting him until that point in time where we received him and who he was and what he'd done. So that thankfulness, that remembering, that in our minds to things, sometimes is really encouraging. I like to look back on some of the testimonies that we've heard uh, in recent days and wow, wow, this is good, this is God. So thankfulness, particularly for salvation. Number two, removing any idols. Now, idols for us is not some little Buddha sitting on a mantelpiece. Idols for us is anything which is, which is gaining a greater focus or a greater importance than God himself. And it can be a whole variety of things. The Bible talks to us about seeking first the kingdom of God and righteousness. And if we find ourselves in a situation if, well, if only I had this, or if only, if only that matter was resolved, I would be happy and satisfied if I could see this. Whatever this is, be careful, because it might be time to say, you know, that is of lesser impact, importance, and significance, as far as God is concerned, than him himself. Anything placed before him can become an idol. And sometimes people say, oh, well, it's, it's our culture, so we really have to respect that. If our culture is a more significant thing than what God wants, than the kingdom of God, when we are a kingdom people of kingdom culture, then it's become an idol. It's got in the way because it puts God first. Whether it's culture... Whether it's a relationship, a desired for one or one that we have. Whether it's education. Whether it's material things. Anything that takes the place of, Lord, you first. What do you want? What pleases you? What would be part of the outworking of me submitting to your will and your lordship? This world's values, of course, are very different. You know, this world values kind of size and popularity and success and importance. These are not values of the kingdom of God. And if we find that we are using those values, oh, time for an adjustment in our way of looking at things so that we don't get drawn away to idols. Do you know, another thing that can become a distraction is is like a, a contention or a course. We can get taken up with something, even something we think, well, it shouldn't be. But if even in that, 
even that we think, well, yes, God wouldn't want this. If that becomes greater than God himself, we're into a distraction. He said, but, 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 but it's right that that thing should change. It's right that we should support this cause. Yeah, but it's never right for something that goes beyond what God really wants or God himself. Third thing we can do. Hmm. I thought I'd like to try and get four points all beginning with the same letter. I started off like that. I don't know what, what happened to that. Oh, yes, remember, remove. I think about one for this one. Stretching the point a bit, but repent. Yeah, I can work it in. Repent. Here's what I'm saying. There's a tremendous power, not only in turning from something, but confessing it. Do you know, I've, I've heard and seen testimonies, even in recent times, where people said, the moment I confessed it, the power seemed to be removed. The power of it was removed, just on the basis of... of and I guess it really is the principle, if we bring something into the light, it destroys one of the enemy's favourite areas of operation, which is, of course, coveredness in the dark, in the occult. So bringing it into the light. So that issue of, of confessing, or let's put it perhaps a different way around, sometimes declaring. You know, the Bible says we believe with our heart and confess with our mouth. There's something about, whether it's repentance or confession or declaration, we believe it, but the speaking it out, not just the effect on other people, but the effect on us can be very, very powerful. Whether it be attitudes or thoughts or words. Sometimes in that, of course, uh, it's much better to say, Lord, search my heart. We're not really equipped to do that. We're really equipped uh, to be obedient to God. But we need God and the work of the Holy Spirit. That's what the Bible says. It's the work of the Holy Spirit to convict of sin and righteousness and judgment. So us trying to do it is, is, is not going to work so well. Lord, search my heart. Lord, is there something that needs changing, needs adjusting? And then the opportunity to confess that. I think it was really great uh, on Tuesday when we came together to follow up from last Sunday in prayer. How many of you were already... Um, identifying and taking that first step. Remember, we said, we sometimes think that to get to really where we want to be in God is a, is a long, hard climb. And sometimes we can feel that we've, we've drifted away somewhat from that position. And then we turn and we find he never moved an inch. He was always there. That's why I'm saying that one step can open the way to all that God has for us at this time in bringing him closer, in bringing us closer and softening our hearts, the one step. That's why I'm really keen that we stick with that. You know, just the one step, the one thing that God gives you to do can make the, 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 the amazing difference as he takes you into his purpose. So well done, let's stick with that. And of course, sometimes the one step is... It's, uh, 
What, what is in your hand to do? The Bible says, do it with all your might. There's something that's in your hand to do, something that God maybe have already spoken to you about. Just really give ourselves to that. You know, we can deliberate, we can think about it, we can end up with paralysis by analysis, but to take the actual step, I'll do it. Lord, I'll respond in the way that you want. Uh, I can't think of a fourth R. Number four. Oh, yes, I can do it like this. Not just turn from wrong, but turn to right. Aren't you impressed? Yeah, well, when I, when I grow up, I want to be a preacher, so I, I'm practicing. All right. But here's the serious point. It's not just turning from that which we need to turn from. It's turning to. Um, and one of the ways we do that is giving ourselves in worship, uh, where we're... This is for God. And we're bringing to God what he's, what he's absolutely due we're, we're extolling and exalting him because he's worthy. So we're bringing to God what we should bring to him. We certainly don't want to get into um, that rather sober warning in uh, Malachi, I think it's chapter 3, verse 10, where he says, you know, I wish, God's speaking, he said, I wish someone would shut the temple doors stop these people coming in and, and bringing, they would light fires for the altar, and lighting useless fires for the altar. I wish someone would stop it. They were doing what looked good. They were doing what was religious in that situation, but they were doing it from the wrong place. In the same way as if we come and kind of go through the, the motions of worship, but actually our heart is far from it. There's not a lot of value in that. And there's potential damage in it as well. So it has to be something. That's why we talk about, let, let's, let's think and let's, what we know of God, what we experience of God, just rise up and bless us, but most especially bless him. Bring into God what's due. And remember, our hunger for him is, <clears throat> is for him, not just for what he will do. And the promise again, we just talked about it. He says, if I draw near to him, he will draw near to me. It's a promise of God. You find it in James 4, verse 8. If you draw near to God, there's no, you're not going to sort of hold us off. Yeah, well, I kind of, uh, give me a few days and I'll think about it as to really whether I want anything much to do with you. He's right there. And his promise, he will draw near to us. Isn't it? kind of enticing to think that we can never ever finish with this that we can always experience more of God that new every morning are his mercies that we can constantly for the totality of our lives come closer to him and know more of his presence and more of his love and more of the strength that comes in the joy of knowing him See, for sure, blessed are they whose hearts are set on pilgrimage, who need never to, to stop learning, never to stop traveling. You know, it's probably a good thing. Uh, uh, Jamie did this and, God, did it 
did it really make us want to punch him in the face? Um, in love, of course. Uh, and we'd say in all the difficulties or the issues or the problems, and he'd say, and what are you thanking God for today? <laughs> but the, the, the sort of shock tactic of suddenly saying, hey, where on earth are you going? Complaining, comparing. Turn from that. Turn from that position and thank God. Turn from the, the voice of the accuser. Hear what God is saying instead. Focus back on where the light shines so we can actually know him and know his heart and know his purpose. Because that is what leads to the softening of heart. Anybody feel they've got too much compassion? Close your ears. Right? You don't want to hear what we're going to say. Yeah. I was thinking about this, and I thought, hmm. What came into mind was, you remember the story of the feeding of the 5,000 and the boy uh, that was invited to give his lunch? Do you remember that story? Do you need me to remind you of it? Yeah. You know the story? Yeah? Okay. I was thinking about that, and I thought, it's interesting. You know, that boy... Um, Something was happening there because he turned from simply being a follower, like all the other thousands, he'd followed where Jesus was. He engaged in what was happening. He contributed what he had. He submitted to the request. And I thought, hmm, that's a, that's a picture of a heart that's softened. Not somebody that's just there, not somebody who's just following, but somebody who's engaging, somebody who's conscious of the need, conscious of what's happening, engaged to the point of saying, this is what I can contribute. This is what I can give. A heart, and we've just been practicing it, a heart that's softened and loves is very ready to give. And as God prepares us, for this increase in harvest, the whole issue of softness of heart is going to be key. It's going to matter more. It's going to be a bigger issue. It's going to be a greater sense of seeing God's heart for people and picking up what that means. On the other hand, the story of the rich young ruler comes to Jesus. You could argue similar thing. The boy was coming, the rich young ruler came. But if you remember the story, he wanted to ask a kind of theological question or doctrinal position. Then he wanted to promote what he had and who, what, who was good and how do you get to there. Basically, he wanted, he wanted to access God his way. He had placed his trust in his money, in his riches, and he wanted to continue with that. Kind of wanted God, because he wouldn't have been there otherwise, but actually wanted that with how it should be according to him, according to how he would like it to be. And you know, those of you, you, you know the story, the guy that came and he asked all these questions and then... 
He didn't like the answer that he got, and the Bible says he went away sad, and Jesus let him go. Went away sad. Didn't change the deal. Didn't say, oh, well, perhaps for you we'll, we'll make an exception. No, no, it doesn't do that. Righteousness doesn't do that. And he wanted, the big issue was with him, he wanted it on his terms. His terms was, the riches count for something. Actually, as part of my, my confidence, part of my trust is the riches. See, that to me describes a hard heart. Somebody who wanted to kind of argue the toss. Somebody wanted to change the terms. Somebody wanted to sort of trust in something else. Somebody wasn't really willing to actually give of themselves. There was a hardness of heart that had to change in that situation rather than argue his case. Now, when we looked at that scripture last week, it's in Hebrews 3 and Psalm 95. As I was thinking about it again this week, it struck me that Actually, it starts off with this, doesn't it? Today, if you hear my voice. It's a very present, it's a now thing. This is not about once upon a time. This is today, a now thing. And actually, I thought there's a second thing there, if you hear my voice. So I actually don't need to worry about any of this business, hardness of heart, if you don't hear his voice. That's true, isn't it? I, I'm, I'm right, aren't I? today if you hear my voice. So if you don't hear his voice, you don't have to worry. You've got to get out of jail free card. Except for, you do have a bit of a problem, because the Bible says, my sheep hear my voice. So if you're not hearing his voice, where are you in terms of being a sheep? Are you with the shepherd, or are you still on your own pathway? It's a bit of a different problem, but it's a very big problem. Not a place that God wants you to stay. So today, in the now, in the present, this is something that requires attention. I wonder what being open to hearing and seeing would look like. Today, if you hear my voice, harden not your heart. Hmm. Anybody help me with that? Change, yes. Yeah. Change. Hmm? Anybody else? Hope. Yeah? Yeah? Heart. Ask. Oh, asking, yes. Actually, good, yeah. So I'd, I think I'll carry on with this side. <laughs> be willing to be disappointed again. Yes. Not a deal. A deal that says, Lord, I'll yield to you if you do this, or if you do that. Openness, yeah, yeah. Listening, Listening yeah. Suddenly care, Suddenly care for somebody, yeah, yeah. In fact, it could be quite a dramatic change. Suddenly caring for somebody who is, a, up until that point, a complete nuisance. Yeah. Hmm. 
dramatic change. Yeah. Today, if you hear my voice, harden not your heart. It's a soft heart that God wants. Giving, serving. See, interesting, talks about soft heart, not a soft head. You know? <laughs> it's not a holy stupidness. It's a submission to a loving God. Submission to the purpose of God. Uh, this is not... Look, we're made body, soul, and spirit. You could expect, therefore, that God will lead us. We're led by the Spirit. There will be, quite possibly, an emotional involvement. We're not led by emotions, but an emotional involvement. It's good because we have feelings, and God created us like that. But we're not led by that. That's why when we give an offering even for our brothers and sisters in need, we can't just do it out of emotion. We have to do it on the basis, what does God want? What does God say? That's why we're against uh, emotional manipulation, even on the whole issue of money. Because it's always, what does God want? We have to be very careful. It's a softness of heart. I think we're probably ready to pray, Lord, could you soften my heart? Could you bring me closer to you? Probably a better word is, would you? I want to come. Anybody think they could manage with a kind of softer heart hmm? kind of feels right doesn't it let's just stand together a minute Lord we're hearing your word <clears throat> we're seeking to pick up in the spirit the things that you're saying you're bringing us to this point where you've already quickened that desire that hunger for Lord, you brought us to a place where we're actually conscious of something that you're stirring within. We thank you for that. But we see, Lord, that you always, we read the scriptures, Jesus first being moved with compassion. So now, Lord, we stand together as a people that say, Lord, would you soften our hearts? Lord, would you bring us not only closer to you, but Lord, that we might have more of your heart in us. Lord, that we might know more of the adjustment that comes when we reflect your heart, when our heart beats with yours. Will you grant that for us, Lord? Hmm? Amen. Just sit down again for a moment. I want to come back to that in a second. Over these uh, many years, we have sought to serve the people of God, Dawn and I, uh, and the family. And that has meant a lot of kind of giving out, sharing, serving, wonderful. But we had this thing, or Dawn particularly felt, you know, we've got to guard the home. 
So we do all this, but the home is, is like, I don't know, sanctuary. And uh, one day we were called to, to help a young woman in need. And uh, so we ministered to her. I got the shock of my life. As she'd gone, Dawn said, she should come and live with us. And we should subsequently take her into the family. I thought, God, what are you doing? As I was thinking about this, I thought, hmm, that was a change of heart. That was a change of heart from guarding the family, the home, from overexposure, overinvolvement, into actually hearing God, what God wanted. Now, guys, it's not all as dramatic and far-reaching as that. But it can be. It can be something that changes our very disposition, affects our... Does it matter? What matters is that we catch God's heart. On Tuesday, um, Sally was talking to us. She talked about getting weary in well-doing. Hmm? That's, a, that's a very real situation. Yeah. You can get tired of even doing the things that God has given you to do, weary in well-doing. But if we turn to God and say, Lord, I don't want to just do this because this is what I do. I need something that refreshes my heart and increases that measure of compassion and causes something that beats inside, that reflects your heart. And what does he do? He, I mean, just God is... You can't beat him. She's dropping someone off. You remember the story, those of you there? And there's two little children uh, that are living in this same shared house and they take they get her to come in and they just make such a fuss of her and taking her all around the place and then she comes to realise they don't have visitors and she suddenly realises oh wait a minute as I walk with God God kind of actually set me into situations I mean I'm saying guys expect that God will answer prayer. Expect dramatic intervention. Not always big scale. It can be a little thing which actually takes us a step further into knowing and understanding the purpose and heart and message of God and refreshes us on the way. We don't want to be hard-hearted. We don't want to test his patience like the children of Israel. We want to expand... Uh, hearing things you know if there's an element so yeah yeah maybe hmm doesn't sound very soft if there's a kind of wow factor God this is you at work see we can test we can look at ourselves ask God to help us the Bible talks about when I'm when I'm um, rebuked I think it's rebuked I will look to see how I respond when I'm corrected. That, that's all to do with our heart position, how we are. How we respond when we hear of certain needs or concerns. 
or when we see the different things on television news. See, I, I want us to understand that it's not just being... Soft heart is not just being warm and cosy, it's being godly. Yeah? I was talking to a friend a while ago, and they had a, a role where they were supervising like a, a whole department of people. And there was one of the people that were in this department that the others didn't like. They kind of looked down on this person, and if it came to coffee break or something like that, they would, they would never involve him in it. And uh, see, being a soft heart there, he did what you would hope he would do. And he made sure that he included this particular person and looked after him, so on and so forth. But the same person was telling me of, a, of another situation where the same maybe group of people that he was responsible for in work, and there was one that was really, uh, really a bit of a bully and was picking on others. Well, he dealt with that one. But he dealt with that one very different to the way he dealt with the one that was being excluded. See, in both instances, it was a soft heart. Soft heart can be very definite and very firm because it comes out of caring and it comes out reflecting what God wants. Soft heart can equally be very willing to put oneself out to actually include or to do what was not popular with other people. What I think softens my heart, draws me closer. I'm not recommending that anybody do the most dangerous thing I did. I've told you this probably many times before. The day when I was still in the city and I was at the junction of Moorgate and London Wall waiting to cross the lights. And I stupidly asked God, show me how you see these people. I couldn't recover from that for months. I couldn't talk about it for years without weeping because something at that point was sowed into my heart. And I think that's, that's a real dangerous thing. That's, that's hardcore, that one. But to actually be asking God, Lord, how do you see this? What, what do you feel? What's going on here? And little things. I mean, we were with Keith Marsh, you know, uh, I forget, a couple of weeks ago. And I just, I said, what God has done for this guy, it just causes something inside of me to say again, hey, that's my God. I'm so proud of him. I'm so, I, it just does something. And I see this guy, and I've told you lots about him in the past, but how he's completely reviled, rejected, and, and badly used, and unrighteously treated, and everything is taken away from him. But he retains, by the grace of God, a pure heart. And he comes to this point, and he's 60, I think 60, 61, needs to get a job. And he's looking at all different things, and it's not easy, and so on and so forth. Then God opens the way, and he loves boats and all that sort of thing, and gives him a job in like a boat club, where you pay a subscription, and then you can take boats out. I mean, I think, God, you could have given him any job, but you give him something that is a total delight to him, and when I go near him, a blessing to me as well, because I like it. 
I thought, God, what a God you are. And there's something that you, you get hold of that and you see what God's doing and, and you, it brings you back to understand the nature of God. Oh, it's just wonderful. And then there's other things. And when we saw God just uh, give back to young Teresa that voice, that ability to speak, what a time. What a wonderful thing. Uh, when I was with Mohammed and the brothers uh, with Hans and Hilton in February, the Spirit of God came and anointed Hilton to lead in a, a real powerful deliverance. And, and the sense of this is God at work, this is the power of God uh, setting our brother free uh, that had been under this bondage. And uh, you just, again, I think there's something in recognizing who God is and what he does. And, uh, and then other things. I, I mean, what about when Julia Tizard went to Dominica on her own? You say, okay, well, people do that all the time. No. People may be, but it was a big deal for Julia. And she's my sister. And to see what God did and the way she was uh, just so at peace and God used her, I thought, hmm, my God can do anything. Some of these spoken words that God is giving, or all the spoken words, I went, wow. And then... Young Lara coming. Do you remember that? Those weeks ago? And brought that word about it's a miracle. I read that every so often. I, I enjoy that. And I think in these things, that's what I say with God helps me, what draws me closer, what softens my heart. 